This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And delighted to be joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst in New York, Ed Moyer. Good evening from London, Ed. Hi, Johnny. Uh, Great to have you on Fed Day. Indeed. And we are recording this later than uh, usual because of the earlier big announcement from the Federal Reserve, which, of course, as many people will know by now, has announced it's going to hold interest rates steady. That is the first time it has opted against a rise in more than a year. We've also heard after this announcement from Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. What did Powell have to say, uh, Ed? I think you have to take a look at what happened today. I mean, there was two parts. There was the FOMC statement, which came out at 2 p.m., and then the uh, also the projections, which seemed very hawkish. It was uh, a strong signal that the Fed is concerned about core inflation. They had to upgrade those forecasts. The dot plots showed two small rate hikes, and this it surprised some traders. And you, you saw initial reaction stocks tanked. It was you know bad news for gold. And uh, I think when we uh, got to the press conference, though, uh, I think a lot of people who were writing their notes were saying this was a hawkish skip, a much more hawkish skip than anticipated. But the press conference, you know, Powell's talking about inflation progress, and he was noncommittal and signaling that, you know, July was likely to be a rate hike. So you saw the markets kind of say, okay, well, the Fed, the Fed is signaling two, you know, rate hikes, you know, probably this summer. You know, the swap markets are still just pricing in barely one. And I think there's a lot of optimism here that you're going to see um, more progress with the disinflation process. And uh, no, I, I mean, we, we did see some, you know, de- decent volatility here. But um, I think this is a this is a difficult uh, moment for the Fed. Um, you know, when you take a look at, you know, what the financial conditions are loosening, you take a look at the stock market, it's in a bull market, the labor market's still tight. This is not good news for, you know, you know, a case that, you know, the that inflation is going to come back to target. So I think the risks of more tightening are there. Um, but uh, for now, you know, you know, it, it looks like uh, we're, we're looking at, uh, you know, Little change on the S&P 500, Nasdaq's higher, and uh, no, I, I think this is a we're, we're we're going to see the Fed be in a position where they're they're going to probably have to have much I think a lot of hawkish appearances, you know, um, as now you know we'll we'll hear from the rest of the Fed Fed members, but uh, no, I think there's 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 good reason to anticipate uh, they might need to do more and. Uh, that is going to complicate, um, I think, how people are positioned uh, as far as trading for the rest of the summer. And most of the Fed members expect the Fed's rate to stand above 5.5% at the end of the year. In fact, one person sees the rate climbing above 6%. Nick, Ed's just given the lowdown as to the reaction, somewhat hawkish. Do you agree? I do. And I think that, you know, just as, as Ed mentioned, there's kind of two parts of this. You had the statement and you had the meeting following it. And um, the, the stickiness of the core numbers, 
uh, is really what they, they seem to, to hyper-focus on. And there was actually one part in Jerome Powell's uh, language that was very interesting to me. And it was just the part where he kind of kept coming back to that word skip, right? Not necessarily a pause. He was, um, you know, and, and we've talked about this uh, pretty extensively on the podcast over the months that we've been tracking the Fed. We've talked about how, you know, generally they're going to have to kind of take a, uh, a defensive stance and, you know, uh, cautiously, you know, going forward. They're, they're very unlikely to just come out and be optimistic and say, you know, inflation is doing this and we're very happy about it. And they're not going to do that. They're going to continuously uh, stay on the defensive, stay on the cautious side of things. But today they really did, I would say, uh, lean hawkish. They, they mentioned very heavily the, the core numbers. We had both core PPI and core CPI here this week. Um, you know, despite you coming out as forecasted, there was no beats there. So there was uh, some beats in terms of headline inflation. But you could, if you're trying to sound more on the hawkish side, you could point to the fact that energy prices with their high volatility led to uh, the assistance of getting that headline. So uh, down a little bit. I mean, the, the, the issue with uh, the core CPI being so sticky is that again, a lot of people, there was optimism for uh, a pause and, and you know no, no further rate hikes this year. And I think that you know despite all of the resiliency in the stock market, the labor market staying strong, economic figures staying you know, strong, I think we still need to look at core PCE going forward, the Fed's sort of uh, key inflation favorite metric there, uh, and kind of watch going forward. I think that you do have uh, some headwind in terms of where things go. I, I think the stock market run up um, has been off of kind of uh, a couple things. And one point I would say in terms of resiliency today is that 5.6% is still a ways away, but it's not, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of, and many reactions might be that that's kind of a cap for now. Like that's where they see it going uh, at a more extreme rate, which I guess perhaps the market is kind of saying, well, okay, that's not that much further higher and we can go from there and, and things are not cracking just yet. So it's it's a really murky water, I would say, going forward. But I would say, you know, the 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 Fed Watch tool was, I believe, at uh, somewhere around 50% uh, chances for for July meeting having a, a rate hike by 25 basis points. I'm not exactly sure where they are at the time of recording, but I have to think that, you know, again, them reiterating how stubborn inflation has been um, kind of brings back into question uh, how hawkish the Fed's going to be going forward. Nonetheless, the pause is a recognition of the risk that sharp rise in rates could trigger an economic slowdown and that would mean millions of job losses uh, potentially uh, so they have actually decided at least to pause at the moment and they are ruled by the data aren't they it's the data which is king and in the next few weeks you're saying that the likelihood is we're going to see another rate rise in july but that is depending on the data Yes, and I think what you're going to see is the data right now, it supported a rate hike um, for, for today's policy meeting. Uh, they just locked themselves into a corner uh, and they, they signaled they were going to pause. You know, you had 10 straight rate increases. Policy was getting restrictive. They were not sure if they needed one or two more rate hikes. Well, it seems they're trying to signal two. I think right now, when you take a look at, you know, some of the trends, I mean, disinflation is going to continue. I think that uh, when you take a look at 
where energy prices are when you take a look at let's say you know you could take a look at the the Mannheim used car sales uh, wholesale numbers uh, I mean there's there's strong catalysts here that uh, are going to suggest inflation is going to continue to come down so we're going to get that three those three percent levels um, I think in the next month or two but uh, you know there's good reason to anticipate that um, you know we're, we're we're going to have uh, much more progress here. Um, I think what the Fed needed to do was, if they were going to signal that they were going to raise rates possibly two more times, they, they should have done a better job of signaling that July was very likely. I think that would have been much more impactful. And uh, now we're, we're going to see if, you know, the, the, the Fed is, is going to have to um, kind of reassess how they try to push back on the market. Yes, they've been successful in, in signaling higher for longer. Those rate cut bets have been pushed into next year. That was something that they had to do. It took them uh, quite a few months to, to achieve it. Um, but 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 now I think you know we're, we're going to see need to see them become a little bit more um, aggressive in, in, in signaling uh, that July is very likely and given how strong the stock market is, how strong the labor market is. And yes, core is still, you know, we could say sticky, but I think there's still good reason to anticipate it's going to come down. And I think the, the market is kind of right right now in anticipating that maybe we'll get one more rate hike. And right now those swap futures are suggesting um, about a 60.8% chance for that July 26 meeting that we're going to get a rate hike. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I think, uh, you're you should anticipate that i mean it i mean I, why wait until september i mean you know we have a july 26 meeting then jackson hole and then in august and then the september 20th meeting which um i think uh, by then i think a lot of people were anticipating that they should be well done with their tightening cycle nick uh, not a massive reaction in stock markets uh, where you are what about the currency market well, I think in terms of the currency market, we saw the dollar strengthen, and part of it is is probably sort of a uh, a little bit of a, a, a giving back on the trade that was because you had the dollar, which was just uh, getting hammered prior to the we had again CPI PPI back to back blows to the dollar, um, pushed it underneath the lows uh, by a good bit, and uh, marking fresh lows for the last few weeks. And I, I think that partly, par partially what we saw here today uh, was just a little bit of repricing, similar to you know the S&P, the NASDAQ, uh, a little bit of repricing with, with um, you know, downside risk being limited, forward projections for the, you know, for many companies looking a lot better. Um, you know, you, you perhaps have a similar story happening in the currency world especially when you do um, you do have so much uh, sort of one side bias right now when you look at you know the Bank of England when you look at <clears throat> the ECB, ECB which is you know these central banks um, you know have been pretty pretty hawkish relative to the Federal Reserve's kind of data that's coming in uh, there's been a crowded trade I think to short the dollar recently and uh, despite me agreeing with that trade I think that when it gets overextended like that and then you get something even slightly to the contrary uh, or some hesitation from the Fed um, I think there's sort of that that bounce move that that re retracement move do I think the dollar bullishness that we saw today is going to last personally I'm you know I'm not betting heavily on it I, I, I generally agree with Ed that inflation um, 
will continue to come down and and you know you still have the ECB and, and Bank of England to turn to which of course looking ahead for tomorrow we have uh, the ECB rate decision and, and um, commentary there as well so we'll have to wait to see how that comes out for the euro specifically but again I think dollar strength here today uh, may be in my opinion a little bit more of just sort of a uh, a bounce to all of the the, the crazy sell-off that we've seen not so necessarily much as just a straight up I think the you know dollar bulls are back kind of thing uh, that would just be my take on it I think comparing the central banks is what I like to do most when I, when I talk currencies as they are of course uh, driving the, the currencies with their interest rate decisions um, you know th that's kind of where I'm at with the dollar I think I think today's bounce is a bounce uh, until proven otherwise if we do start to see technical breakouts higher and and perhaps um, you know something softer from other central banks that story may change but for me right now I think that there's a divergence for a good reason and that the dollar bounces is, is a bounce not necessarily a full-on reversal so that would be my take on it personally with the dollar uh, compared to other central banks. And of course, you mentioned that the ECB and the Bank of England are a, a bit more hawkish these days than the Federal Reserve. But we mustn't forget that the Fed started these uh, rate hikes a lot earlier. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, another side to it as well is you have to kind of see that there are uh, central banks on different wavelengths, right? The, the Bank of England is in a different situation because their inflation went, went much higher, stayed higher for longer. I mean, just, just kind of uh, cap recapturing underneath the 10% mark for their inflation levels. Um, so they have a lot of work to be done. And, and again, perhaps a little bit behind the curve due to, as you pointed out, their slower beginnings on the rate hike process. So um, a similar story there, but uh, will be very interesting to see how that plays out compared to the Fed, which in some cases uh, is kind of ahead on that um, rate cut cycle, or not rate hike, but I'm sorry, cut, but um, you know their monetary policy softening a bit sooner than other places. Uh, but not all other places, right? You have New Zealand and you have, um, you know, uh, some some slightly more dovish sounding places as well, which we can keep an eye on. Uh, but of course, the, the market is going to focus heavily on, as we said in our last podcast episode, the Fed as well as, um, uh, you know, the, the Chinese central bank as well. So that's where I'm focused. I would like to add that the, uh, the BOE, they were the first to start raising rates. They'll be the last to raise rates there there there's a there's a i think a, a very good likelihood you're going to get a lot more tightening out of the boe than you will from all the other major central banks and i i can't i can't allow you guys to talk all these central banks without giving the boj a little bit of nod uh that you know that there was a chance that they were going to possibly consider abandoning yield curve control this week. Uh, it seems like it's less likely, but um, we're getting close to that moment. And I think that's that's a trade that you're going to want to stay on top of. The yen is going to prove to be, I think, one of the bigger movers uh, this summer. And uh, I, I can't, uh, you know, I can't deny uh, the PBOC right now. They've they've done some easing to start the week. Um, I think I might have suggested that could happen and uh, you know we're getting closer to that triple r cut and uh you know typically you know that these are unannounced meetings so this is you know they like to su surprise the markets um take advantage of a, a liquid condition so if let's say friday at 4 a.m eastern time 
you, you see uh, markets really starting to, to, to skyrocket. It could be because the PBOC decides that now's the time to deliver that triple R cut. So we're getting we're getting close to a moment where we could get some significant uh, action um, to, to follow through on their the earliest stimulus measures that they've done this week. So definitely. Watch out for Asia because the PBOC once they once they move, I mean, everyone's waiting on them. This is going to drive growth. This is going to drive growth for Europe. So this is a a big big uh, potential trade, which would be good for the euro, and that would be bad news for the dollar. And thanks, Ed, for that. In terms of the other side of the world, we've got a little bit of coverage there to pay attention to. Certainly, Bank of uh, Japan will be interesting as always. Uh, the yen pairs have been uh, the, the yen has been incredibly weak, and uh, seeing if that persists. Uh, will be very, very interesting, or if they're going to change anything around. Notoriously, a, a very sort of, um, uh, I, I would say, consistent uh, central bank, the Bank of Japan is. In terms of where we're going uh, news-wise this week and, and leading up to our Friday episode podcast, um, we've got a couple things in the works. We, of course, tomorrow, I mentioned it earlier, we have the ECB refinancing rate coming out, uh, forecasted to be 4.00%. That is a 25 basis point expected. Uh, we'll see if there's any surprises there, um, although unlikely. Of course, followed by their ECB press conference uh, at 8:45 a.m. U.S. Eastern, uh, so about 30 minutes following the uh, the rate uh, that comes out, as well as the monetary policy statement. And mixed in there between, we do have U.S. number uh, numbers coming out. We have core retail sales. Uh, probably not a ginormous market mover, but again, the market's uh, I got its, it's got its head on swivel, so anything can really just move the markets. We also have Empire State Manufacturing Index um, and unemployment claims falling at the same time. Uh, and then finally, we will be back, like I said, on Friday with more coverage and, and follow-up with some of the stuff perhaps said by uh, the Bank of Japan by there. And then we finish out the week with uh, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment all very potentially market-moving stuff, which we will have commentary coming forward with that soon. Good stuff. Well, I'm uh, off to enjoy what is left of my uh, United Kingdom uh, night. You've got some way to go where you are, guys. Thanks very much for joining us on uh, a very interesting day. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you for having us. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. 